Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees, promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello my fan friends, welcome to another Rahalastafa book club. This week I am joined by Fergus Craig. How are you doing Fergus? I'm pretty amazing, how are you? I'm, I'm very good. You have written a book called Murder at Crime Manor, um, which we'll talk about in a second. Uh, the first thing, Fergus, we need to clear up before we do anything else, the regular listeners of the podcast will want to know, is... Um, why didn't you wash up your, your porridge pan when I shared a flat with you at the Edinburgh Fringe? And how long do you think it would have taken you to wash it up if uh, Chris Addison hadn't just washed it up for you? This is a great injustice because, <laughs> <laughs> because I got caught in the crossfire. It was nothing to do with me. As you remember, myself and Colin Holt lived with you because at the time yeah. we were a double act. Yeah. We did two years. And on the second year, yes. I thought it was quite cruel what you did. Um, <laughs> right, so, yeah. So what happened was there was an unwashed uh, pan. Yeah. And you decided, I've had enough of this. I'm going to yeah. do an experiment and I'm going to make a point. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. I'm going to see how long before they wash up this pan. Yeah. But I think what you forget is that me and Colin were like two different people. Right. And I was nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> I, never, I never cooked anything in that kitchen. 
Right. But you always called us Colin or Fergus. <laughs> so you just took well, us as one thing. It was hard to remember which one was which of you, out of the two of you. Just two, you were two men. But I couldn't be responsible for his actions. So I well, did, he, it was absolutely no. nothing to do with me. Well, I never went in that to... kitchen. Well, then mm. I'm going to have to get Colin Holt on to talk about it then. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was you. Do you know what I remember from the first time we lived with you? Yeah. In 2004. Yes. 18 years ago. We were like, <laughs> we, I was like 24 and I'd never been to Edinburgh before. And I'd hardly done any comedy before. <laughs> and we'd been like picked up by Avalon, which felt like huge. And Avalon had like, we were spending thousands of pounds and we had like PRs and stuff. And they were saying things, they like had our posters everywhere and were saying things. It was like, they were talking as if, well, within a week, we're going to be famous. <laughs> and like, and like, they were like, if you get into a fight in the Pleasance Bar, you know, call us because we don't want it to get in the papers. <laughs> like, <this. laughs> like, what? So like, I, and then we took a train journey up and I had booked the train tickets a few weeks before, and um, that was when there were still smoking carriages. Okay. So I booked up, because Colin was a smoker, I booked us in the smoking carriage as a, like, a kind thing to do, which was yeah. in retrospect like a horrible thing to do. And in the interim, Colin gave up smoking. <laughs> so we sat in a smoking carriage for five hours, Colin not smoking. Then we went to our flat, met you, who I was like, like I say, it's only 24. So it was only a few years before that I'd been in my parents' bedroom listening to your radio show. <laughs> you were like the first famous comedian I'd ever met in that moment. <laughs> and then you, like, we were all excited. And then I guess you were in a strange place. You were at... You had a lot of anxiety about the way your run was going to go or where you were at. And you just sort of like spent an hour telling us how we were going to, Avalon were going to say all this stuff to us, but we're going to lose thousands and it's going to take years <laughs> and it might, and it might all go to shit. Yeah. And you just like said a lot of like really depressing stuff. Great. And then Colin said, ah, oh, I need to smoke. And then we went and then he went and smoked. <laughs> I was right there, wasn't I? No, you were right. It went awful. Yeah, yeah. They were. So yeah, there you go. Anyway, Fergus, you are a, you were. I mean, you are and were a stand-up comedian. You were in a double act, as we've just, just as we discovered enough of about our Edinburgh cast. Mm. Um, uh, and this, but I mean, this is a very interesting book. It is the second book written by uh, you in the character of Martin Fishback. Um, Shall we talk a little bit about? where that character came from uh, and, yeah. and how and how that developed first of all yeah the origins are quite sort of complicated i was um living in montreal for a year with my girlfriend doing nothing and i decided to make a just make a twitter video just to make something and i had the idea of a middle class dad sending a message to his son on his son's first week of school, uh, not school, um, university, like for yeah. Freshers' Week. So it just popped out like this sort of middle-class dad character who's very sort of like um, a real know-it-all, just sort of like, you know, just join all the clubs, even if it's anti-Semitic, it doesn't matter. 
you know, it's not that my mother and I don't, your mother and I don't love you. Your mother loves you very much. You know, all of that. <laughs> it was very, and that character sort of like uh, found an audience on Twitter. Yeah. So I just kept on doing the videos of this middle-class dad and I had no idea where it was going. He didn't have a name and it just sort of evolved that character. And then when we moved back to London, lockdown happened. So I was doing like one of those videos every day. And then one, I started to say in the videos that he had left his job at Colgate <laughs> and was becoming a crime writer. But I had no idea what I was going to do with that. It was just thought it was a funny thing to say. And then one day I came up with an extract for his crime novel. And I came up with the main character, his, his sort of anti-hero, Detective Roger Le Carre. But I had no idea where that would go. Do you know what I mean? No. It wasn't. I didn't think it would be a book. It, no. it was extracts from a book that didn't exist. Yeah. And one of the first ones that I did sort of went a bit viral. It was a sex scene. <laughs> and, uh, and then I just kept making them and it just sort of evolved. And then I ended up getting a book deal for the first book, which was called Once yeah. Upon a Crime. But it was yeah, of... because it's quite a, you know, it, it does, even when I started to read it, I thought, well, it's, it was very funny straight. In fact, I laughed at the very first line. Um, it's, it's very funny from the start, but you kind of think, is this when I read it, I wasn't even aware it was the second book. I thought, oh, okay, is this going to sustain a whole book? And and it really does, because I would say it's a very, very enjoyable and actually weirdly <laughs> gripping book. You want to know what what's happening, even though it's a, it's obviously a pastiche, really, of of bad writing and of, of bad crime novels and, and of crime novels in general. But, you know, was that a worry for you that to, to make the leap from doing, uh, you know, very short film bits and very short extracts to go, will this will this sustain for an entire book? Definitely. It was like a massive worry yeah. <laughs> for the first book. I was like, is anyone going to read like 50,000 words of this? <laughs> because the videos were like 90 seconds long or something. And yeah. it's like, I'm just trying to pump as much jokes as I can in and then uh writing the first book I thought well you have to sustain you have to have some kind of plot that's going to keep people following but I still have that sort of anxiety that like because it's not particularly the first one I felt like well because this is not a, a piece of literary genius it's not like a proper novel I have to be making people laugh all the time to justify it. Yeah. But then there's that worry that it just gets annoying. So, <laughs> so yeah, that was a big worry, but um, I sort of, I think I found the way, but what I did with the second one, because the first one, which happily lots of people really did enjoy, I did, but it was, I sort of did it backwards. So I was saying all the time I was making the videos that these extracts were, um, these were extracts from a novel, but the novel didn't exist. So I was piecing a story together from extracts right. that I had written with no <laughs> idea where I was going. But then this second one, I thought I'd do, I'll, I'll really do a proper, you know, who done it? I'll yeah. do a proper storyline. So I, this one works more as a book. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's great. Was it, so was it, did someone come to you and say, let's do the book or did you go to someone and say, can I do a book? 
No, someone came to me. I had, yeah. I had, I think I had about three publishers come to me. It was quite exciting. Yeah. yeah. But yes, Fear Books came to me, who do like a lot of actual real crime novels. So uh, yeah, it was great. But it, it's it's quite a mental thing to write because it's what I don't know a thousand jokes. 2,000 jokes, <laughs> but no, I don't show any of the jokes to anyone until the whole book is written. <laughs> it's like, I just don't know if it's funny, right? Until you hand it over. Yeah. yeah. And so, and, and what's it, I mean, right. I mean, I suppose when you do, and you've done a lot of character comedy and when you do, when you're making up character comedy and doing character sketches, you're obviously writing it in character and to some degree and maybe even ad-libbing in character. Is it a, is it a, is it a weird process to, to be writing an entire book in character do you get into character to write the book or are you always fergus one step detached or do you find yourself sort of disappearing into into martin fishback yourself i'm not really thinking about martin fishback when i write it but i am sort of writing it in a, it's a voice right it's a persona yeah. it's like the idea is is it's not a parody of bad crime crime novels no it's a it's what would a middle-class guy from Exeter who can't really write do, write <laughs> if he was trying to write a best-selling crime novel. Yeah. And the thing I enjoy most when I'm sort of writing it in his character is like getting through, getting his gripes out in the writing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yes. Like just sort yeah. of like bringing up things about like ridiculous, like traffic laws or whatever. Yeah. And throwing them into the plot. But, um, well, yeah, there's there's lovely stuff like obviously like there's bits where he's looked at Wikipedia and just copied a page of Wikipedia. I mean, and the thing that really made me laugh at the start is that he is uh, like tentatively trying to get sort of product placement into the book without having organised it, so just chucking some stuff in to see to see if he can get a deal to do that. So so throughout the book, but what I like I like it because it's not you know I don't I think it's not. It's 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 very subtle, I think, what you're doing, and it's and it and it's not like all the way through trying. Let's make this guy look stupid. Let's try and do a terrible novel. It's like it, it you know, it's sort of some of it works and some of it's good, and some of it's you know, it's sort of uh, the the plot is moving along. It's it's not all about uh, knocking this character, I suppose, but it but it is find yeah finding him through. I guess the only there's a bit where. Um, where obviously in his mind he's got to the second draft and realised that he's he's put in something that logically doesn't work that he's that he's managed to even though all the phone lines are down and the roads are blocked he's the characters have managed to uh, put, uh, get some pizza delivered oh, yeah, sure yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and then rather than changing it he just sort of <laughs> tries to fudge his way around that so well, that... you know but there there aren't loads you know you could fill a book with loads of stuff like that but it's uh, the, what i mean is it's very subtly uh, done which i think is the the reason it can sustain for you know more than a sketch and more than one novel even i mean that's the advantage there are advantages and disadvantages to writing it this way but that would be an example of a situation where i wrote myself into a plot hole and then <laughs> remembered that i can easily get away with that because i'm writing a <laughs> deliberately writing a bad book yeah. <laughs> so but there, there is that thing of like if you're just parodying like bad writing you also need to make it readable 
<laughs> yes. Yeah. So, well, it, it, but, it, but you know, it really surprised. I mean, it didn't surprise me as I you know I know you're great and I know you're very clever. But uh, but I was it, I, I felt like gripped enough by the story gripped. to want to to want to know what was going to happen. Good. But it, but so you know so it does it really does work on on two levels. Even though you're aware it's nonsense, and even though like the crimes are absolutely <laughs> impossible and Good. so far and so far fetched that if you think about them there you know but it that, yeah it, it's it's very enjoyable i mean it, it reminded me it, i think i i sent your publisher a quote but i don't think they used it but uh, but I, it sort of reminded me of like les den les dor not les dennis uh les dawson playing the piano and that you know you've got to be able to be able to do it well in order to do it I saw that quote. It was very kind of you, and I think uh, they are going to use it. <laughs> oh, yeah. good, well, there you go. But I, it did. It, that sort of it, it immediately felt like because it's, you know, it is. It's a. It's such a set, subtle line to to play with that, with that sort of thing, and you know, and, and some of the great. I mean, there's a little bit. There's a little feel of Alan Partridge to this, just because it's a middle. It's a pompous middle-aged man. But it's not like Alan Partridge. But but you know, it reminded me of Alan Partridge in terms of that it was sustainable and. You know the, the novel, the, the Alan Partridge autobiography, which the uh, the, the the brothers who write from uh, the, the Gibbons brothers wrote, is absolutely fantastic. I think yeah, it's written in it's his in... written in his voice. But you need for that to work, you need a, a very strong character. I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, what am I saying? I was going to say about the product placement thing. Yeah. In the first one, I just did that because I found it funny. I just kept on mentioning Kit Kat Chunkies and things or yeah. unnecessarily like mentioning, like instead of saying he uses his, he picks up his phone, he picks up his Huawei P30 Pro, <laughs> you know. But my publisher, when there's this, this thing called NetGalley, are you familiar right. with that? It's no. some kind of, it's some kind of internet thing that people sign up to and, and publish They, if, if they're lucky enough, they'll get to read uh, some books before they come out. Okay. and review them and that gives them the publishers an opportunity to work, gauge how to promote it but because this is like it's because it's a novel you can't put it in a comedy section so it it, it is in the crime and thriller genre right. so lots of people read it not clocking that it was a parody okay. and there were all these and the first reviews of it coming out there are quite a lot of crime novel fans saying i don't understand why he keeps on mentioning kit kat chunk <laughs> Just not getting it. So that's why I put in, in this, in the new one, I put an author's note at the beginning, trying to sort of lay it on a plate for them. Why yeah. I keep doing that. <laughs> Although I think it's a joke that when laid on a plate is even better because it's just, it's sort of, I think, but again, it's not a joke that you massively overplay. It's like, it's really, you know, it comes up every now and again and that's the fun of it you sort of forget about it and then every now and again there's a, a, usually a Kit Kat junkie um Kit Kats are nice though aren't they I just ate I just ate one I think it was because of you I've tried to give up chocolate right I was just I was thinking about you know we do comedy and whatever but the guy who invented the Kit Kat whoever that he won't even really know what he did because he'll be dead by now right the Kit Kat's yeah. about 100 years old but that level you know they make what I, I did. I went on a tour of the York Chocolate Factory where they talked about Kit Kats, and I can't right. remember how. I can't remember how many Kit Kats are made every month. I think it's a billion. They asked, and my son, who's four, shouted out, "A bit." He said, "How many Kit Kat Kats do you think you've made in a year?" He said, "A, a, gil, a zillion, bazillion, or something." He said, yeah. and they said, "Well, it's nearly that." So I can only think it's that. But it was. I think it might be a billion Kit Kats a month. 
You know, they're huge. I mean, I'm oh, not turning this into... Uh, I mean, let's just take a moment to think about... How many Kit Kats? And, <laughs> and if, even if, you know, if it was a billion Kit Kats a month, that's four yeah. billion Kit Kat fingers. <laughs> It might even be more about because some of them have got some of them. Yeah, they've, they've, yeah, there's some of them. Like in Japan, they do all different flavors. So like it's insane. Um, but the know, Japanese like, are way ahead on Kit Kats. Yeah, they are. But if you, you know, it just puts what we do into perspective. Is what I'm saying. You know, that, like, I was saying, and a hundred years time, do you think they'll be making a billion copies of your stupid fucking book? No, they it won't. Seems so. unlikely. Yeah. yeah, I always think so. like Kit Kats are like what? How much is like a Twix? It's like seventy p. Yeah. But there's like lots of people who are like proper millionaires just from selling something that costs seventy p. Exactly. So you have to, you know, you have to sell. I mean, you've got to marvel at it. Yeah. So you're right to put them in. They're good, and I'm glad we've done. And it's the sort of thing I do on my podcast is, you know, because we do have adverts that I'll sometimes mention something a lot, like a Kit Kat junkie, and I hope that Kit Kat will get in touch and and uh, you know, just I'm just showing them what I could do with it with it with the Kit Kats, and and I think I've done that. Here. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you're listening, Kit Kats, Ian, Kit Kats. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I didn't... Oh, I really wanted to hear the audio book. This book has not come out yet. When does the book come out? Uh, the book comes out on October 4th. I've done the okay. audio book. It's my yes, favourite but... thing to do. The one you read, did it have an epilogue? Yes. Oh, good. Good for that. Good. Uh, it yeah, it's a very, that. very good epilogue. I enjoyed the epilogue. There's, a, there's twists and turns coming in every direction. Um, I presume you do the uh, the audio book in character. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can. Yeah. It's uh, enormously fun to do. It's just sort of like, <laughs> shall I read like an extract? Is yeah, that a good thing a to extra, do. Yeah, that, I think that would be nice. Yeah. Shall I read? Just you know. If anyone's still listening, shall I read? I'll read the um, the prologue to the first to the, to this book. Okay, maybe I won't get to the end. But here we go. Cold, so cold, as cold as a Kit Kat chunky sitting in a refrigerator, as cold as a refreshing bottle of Heineken on a hot summer's day, as cold as snow. Because it was snow, although Detective Roger Le Carre didn't know that yet because he was slowly regaining consciousness. 
His handsome face felt as if it was going through some kind of unnecessarily vigorous spa treatment, but this couldn't be a spa treatment because Detective Roger Le Carre didn't go for spa treatments. His idea of skincare was a fistfight in which both parties agreed to stay away from the face. If you handed Roger Le Carre a gift token for a spa treatment, he'd throw it into a nearby furnace or, more realistically, just say thank you and give it to his wife, Carrie. <laughs> no, this was no spa treatment. This was something else. The sharp, cold pain on his face was nothing compared to the dull, throbbing pain on the back of his head. He had to move. Something told him there was more pain coming. Some people liked pain. Sickos. When Le Carre worked vice, he'd find some otherwise respectable accountant in some Bodmin brothel humiliating themselves and paying for the privilege. He'd handcuff them and read them their rights, pants still around their ankles. They probably liked it. More humiliation. Sickos. One Valentine's Day, he and Carrie had got curious and tried it out for themselves. <laughs> Carrie spanking him, digging her heels into his back, squeezing and tugging his southerly region with implements that had arrived in the post that morning in a discreet package from lovehoney.com. <laughs> Can we stop this, please? It is literally the opposite of pleasurable. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it there. It's very good. Yeah, well, it's, it is such a lovely character. And yeah, I think it's... It does. I would, well, I, maybe I'll, I'll listen to the first. I'll, I'll listen to the first one when I've got some time. I have to get through a book a week to do this stupid show, so it's difficult to. Once I get to find something I like, I can't. I, I can't have you back on next week talking about the first one. Well, I suppose I could. I do it. Fine. Yeah, you would. You definitely do it. Um, I, I, I also rewatched. You, you kind of sent me the link, but I'd seen it before. But I rewatched it. The TV pilot of this character is um, is there is anything? It was very good. And I like the peripheral characters as well. Is anything going to happen with that as in the future? Thanks, Richard. Uh, yeah. The answer is the BBC turned it down. Yeah. It's abs the British bloody corporation. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. I was very pleased to have got to do it because um, it seemed unlikely when we started. But yeah, we did. I put together a sitcom with. It's just called Martin Fishback. We started with a half-hour script that they commissioned. They gave us the money to make a 15-minute pilot. It um, it does feature Detective Roger Le Carre in it, but it's mainly about Martin Fishback and his family. Um, it like went down as well as I could have hoped. Like it got amazing reviews everywhere. Great that reviewed it. Yeah, like people like. Like the Telegraph and the Sun, like we're right. saying, give this a series. I don't, but, you know, it just didn't happen. So, so we're trying it's... to. Luckily, we've got the rights. So oh, great! We're trying to find another home for it, and you know, there are, you know, possibilities. It might. Yeah, I hope go. so because I, th I thought, you know, I thought all the peripheral characters, and you know, you had a brilliant cast as well, but. Um... Amazing, you know, cast. given the sh how short it w was, I just thought you got so much in there, and you, and you immediately hit the ground running with with all of the characters, and it can it can be very easy to when you've got a good you know comedy character to to do a show of that, and and he's the main thing in it, and everyone else is just yes yes, Mister Fishback, yeah, but you know, but everyone everyone really had a, a very recognizable. Um, you know, the, the wife just getting some champagne out and then just because she wanted to drink it at nine o'clock in the morning. Like, that's an immediately you kind of got that character bang straight off. So. Yeah, that was our idea for the wife because we worked on it for quite a long time, developing the sitcom. And that 
the big problem the whole time was the wife character because if he's this sort of monster who would like who would stay with him do you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. he didn't want his wife to just be bullied because no. that's not nice to watch so the sort of epiphany was well let's just make her drunk <laughs> just one of those women of a certain age who's just sort of made in that Winston Churchill sort of way, just maintaining a constant buzz. Yeah. So it's not, she's not a depressing drunk. She's just not quite there all the time. And that sort of excuses it. So yeah, in the, in the full half hour script, I think we were able to explore the other characters more, but you know, in the 15 minutes it ended up, you know, I'm glad that you think we got them in, but I think they, the BBC felt it was a bit too much fishback. I don't know. It's difficult. Oh, no, I do. You know, I really, I, well, you know, it is his, it is a show about him, but I, um, yeah, yeah, it is difficult when you're not famous and it is difficult when you have to get all these things past the committee of people whose job isn't to, to understand how comedy works. It's but, hard. you know, I, I, I think that policeman, the police did sort of, Doltish policeman. I kind of think about that character quite a lot. I really like. He's sort of just—he's just a really lovely sort of stupid character. That's, uh, um, that's that was played by Nathan Fode. I wrote it with Paul Doolan, and he had worked with Nathan Fode, and we just—we right. uh, just wrote that character specifically for him because we knew it would be funny. Yeah. Um, and Amber Kamard is in it. Who's in this is going to hurt, and is amazing in that. And yeah. Uh, the guy Declan Baxter who plays my son and Samantha Pop- I don't know why I'm listing the cast I just thought I've ever named someone I've got to name them all but like no we were you know it's not dead no but um, it's so it's too frustrating you know but I, I, I you know I'm however many years ahead of you I am 15 years ahead of you and I've just had so many so many attempts at getting stuff on and it, it sort of is more fr- the last thing I did we did a 10 minute taster tape yeah uh, that never got shown anywhere and it, it's sort of frustrating to get that far, and and for everyone to be saying this is really good, apart from the apart from the people who make this. It was, it was, it was just on. it was just from what I hear, it was just one woman. Like, yeah, literally, it was just one person at the very top was like, nah, but like <laughs> literally, like when it came out and like everything on everything to get all comedy get tends to get because it's really difficult starting comedy. I always think it gets such a negative response online because people are like, do you think this is funny, do you? You know, <laughs> people get angry if they don't find something yeah. funny immediately. But it had such a positive response and the, all the reviews were so nice. And I, I'm like, they can't not give us something. <laughs> How can they not? But, you know, yeah, that's it. That's it. So... It's something well, you know, but also then it's great that it has this life. Was the was the TV pilot before the? It was before the books, right? Was it? Was yeah, it weirdly, the, yeah. books are quicker than TV. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I the book was, I published the first book, uh, before we even made the pilot. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the book, as far as I'm concerned, I if they'll if people will keep buying it, I would do one of these a year. Yeah. Like how, to, long it, how, how long does it take? Because you know, I can't, is it easier to write than than a, than, a, than a proper novel, or is it harder to write than a proper novel? How long how long does it take you to 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 get a book together? I think in some ways it's harder because I feel like a paragraph isn't justified unless I've made uh, unless there's a joke in it somehow. Yeah, 
so in some ways it's harder but then there's that thing of like yeah if something shit you just can go where it's supposed to be shit <laughs> that's the joke <laughs> but um it took a while i don't know about four months but yeah i mean that's quite quick i think from, I, I you know i write my i wrote my last book in four months but it was autobiography and you know i'd got a blog and I could remember what happened mostly. So it was just writing down what happened, but it took me about four months. But I think a lot of people take a lot, you know, some people take like 10 years to write. Donna Tart takes 10 years, yeah. doesn't she? Yeah. No, I do like about a thousand, 2000 a day. Yeah. And, but it is quite, you do go quite mental. Like writing just because I find myself in rabbit holes of like him giving like CPR to himself. <laughs> like, and you're following the logic of that. It's like, am I going mad? Will anyone find this funny? Like, you just go on these paths. The first one, he goes, he ends up going to New York because they find a receipt from the Edinburgh Woolen Mill branch, like New York branch of Edinburgh Woolen Mill. And then they get on the first flight from Exeter to New York. It just, it just goes so mad. I just went... A, a bit mad in that section of the first book. Yeah, well, that's good. You know, that's good. But I think you know anything is justified with this. So you, you literally going mad probably will for forever. Will probably will probably help it. But um, cool. And so, so do you have another book deal, or are we waiting to see how this one goes before they? I think we'll probably help? wait to see how it goes, Richard. Yeah. Okay. Probably, I'd love to do more. Yeah. Go, I this one. What I wanted to do for the second one was like a Dan Brown like him getting involved in the world of like the religious, <laughs> like really, cause there's like catacombs in Exeter. And right. there's like, um, you know, there's obviously the Bishop of Exeter. And I thought, oh, get him down to like a Dan Brown world of like religious cults and stuff. But then I think my publisher sort of wisely guided me away from that because I actually <laughs> didn't know anything about it. <laughs> and he said, well, why don't you just do an Agatha Christie? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a good idea. Yeah, cool. Um, what else is going on? Are you doing anything? Are you doing anything else apart from uh, writing books? What else? Isn't you... this enough? Um, it's quite enough, but it's just... uh, yeah, try them desperately trying to get Martin. Well, no, not desperately, but trying to get Martin Fish back somewhere. That's the big dream, and then you know, lots of other, just so many things. And you're still doing the, the you're still doing the the online little bits and pieces. Yeah, constantly putting out videos on Twitter, although less now because I sort of don't want to like drain the character before. Yeah, I've made enough money out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and there's sort of two um, parallel timelines going on because on Twitter in the videos, uh, the way it went. I would just do whatever felt funny that day. So during lockdown, I decided that his, I made his wife quarantine in the garage because she had a cough. And then, and then there was months where his wife was in the garage and he was just like putting, handing food to her through a hole. <laughs> and then his wife left him for the postman. And now he's single on the, on the Twitter tam timeline. Right, he's single and dating. Oh yes, but I saw one I'm... where I saw one where he just had sex with someone. 
yeah. that you'd done, which was very, yeah. <laughs> very just his, his utter telling his son about it and his utter happiness that having, yeah. having had sex was, was fantastic. So that's the sort of Twitter timeline. But then on the TV timeline, it's still like a family yeah. show. So, yeah, I've sort of got my, I've found my, I've got myself in so many different like rabbit holes. I wish I hadn't named the main character Roger Le Carre as well. Right. Because fucking John Le Carre. Like, well, that's what that's what, So why do you wish you hadn't done that? That's the well, I didn't, I didn't think it would like become a book. And then like they, I nearly had to change the name because of like legal reasons. Right. But I just thought, well, what would this man name his lead character? And I just thought, well, that was a finally like unimaginative name. It's just great just to go. It's you know, it's perfect. I can't say you know, it's a surname. It's well, a surname apparently it's not. It, apparently, he made it up for it, yeah, because it's a pen name, isn't it? Yeah, apparently he made it up, but it's like right. it's a different spelling. <laughs> <laughs> but like people think, I was in a meeting with a TV person, and they kept on, and they'd like had clearly read the book because they kept on mentioning it. But they kept on referring it into a, 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 as a spy parody, or like as a John Le Carre parody. Right. Like, no, there's like no <laughs> spies in it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Good. Uh, well, uh, yeah. No, it's it is it's a terrific book. I think people will enjoy it. And I don't. I actually don't. Th- although I did know the character before, and I had seen stuff before. I don't think it's. Uh, super necessary to have seen all the stuff. If you have, I mean, it's worth having a look at it just because it's funny anyway. But uh, if you've enjoyed it, but uh, it will, it gives it a bit of context, I suppose, if you're going into it completely cold. That you know, no, I've sort of made them it. separate entities now. Do yeah. you mean that's an? If you know Martin Fishback, then that's an extra joke. But it's it's its own thing now, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, it's it's very it's very funny. It's very enjoyable, and uh, it's it's an easy read, but equally it's a very pleasurable read. So. Uh, give it a go. Is there um, uh, any books you're reading that you would like to recommend? Are you a big reader? Um, I am actually. Yeah, I actually finished last night the book Shuggy Bane. Oh yes, have you read that? I haven't. No, I've uh, no, I haven't read it yet. I've seen, I've, I've seen it in a bookshop. It's dark. Is, that okay? is it? It's re- I think <laughs> it's the best book I've read since The Goldfinch. It's really, okay. really good. But like the opposite of this. It's about a um, a boy growing up in Glasgow in a very dysfunctional family, and it's very grim but very good. Okay. But I had that thing I was I tweeted today. I have that thing of you know when you like if you read the last page of quite a long book. Yes. I just keep thinking this is the last page. I'm reading the last page. I'm on the last page. <laughs> so I sort of never sort of inhale what happened on the last page. But that was really good. But now for okay. light relief, I'm going to read a Ronnie O'Sullivan okay. autobiography. Oh, great. Yeah. Well, that's an... So is it, do you, do you mainly go for novels or do you like to mix it up fiction and nonfiction? I, I mix it up. I read, yeah. Um, yeah, I used to read a lot of autobiographies, but now I like, I do read a lot of novels. I don't read that much crime, funnily enough, but I do read some. The first one was sort of, the Once Upon a Crime was, in a weird way, inspired by Don Winslow. Do you know him? No. <clears throat> He's an American crime writer who's very good, but really gritty. It's a bit like The Wire or something. It's just like okay. really, really gritty cops in like the Bronx or wherever. And I just sort of thought it'd be funny to have 
a middle-class guy trying to set a similar sort of crime novel in Exeter. But, um, but yeah, I read. I do. I'm very. I've got very eclectic reading. <laughs> I think it's good to because of this as well. I mean, I've started getting through a book a week, pretty much. So I probably will read fifty books this year, which is great because you know I, I've, I've been a bad reader. I usually read on holiday, but what's real? It's what the fun thing about this show is. It just goes from one. You know, I'm some doing some children's books, I'm doing some thrillers, and I'm reading books that I wouldn't necessarily always usually have read myself as well. So it's, it is it is good to be an eclectic reader. I think and, mm, I'm getting really you know, into the audio books of um, yeah. like historical fiction, like Robert Harris, right. his yes. Cicero trilogy, right? And I did Wolf okay. Hall. Yeah, long. I did. I did. I did Wolf Hall. It was long. I can't bear to do the next two as an audio book. I don't think it just. It took too many dog walks to, right. to, get, to get through. It was like I, it felt like I was listening to Wolf Hall for, and I probably was for like two or three months. Yeah. Whereas you know, if I, when anything's over ten hours as an audio book, you, you start to think, okay, I've, I just downloaded. Uh, I listened to Great Expectations, which was for fun. <laughs> rather than in the hope of getting Charles Dickens on here. Uh, and then I thought, oh, I'll do David Copperfield. I've never actually read David Copperfield, but I'd read, I'd read Great Expectations right. um, as a kid, so I knew the story really well. But I, but often with those those very convoluted novels, it's so hard to follow as an audiobook, I think. And David Copperfield is 30 hours long rather than like 10 hours long. And yeah. then it's a, it's a huge commitment to to get into that. I think there's such a it makes such a big difference the reader, like yes, it does. It's like the first so the first two of the Cicero trilogy, the Robert Harris one, a a red I can't remember the guy's name, but he's amazing. And then the third one of the guy who read the first two died. Oh no! And the third right. one's read by someone else who's pretty good, but he didn't like go back. He's obviously not listened to the first two. No. He's completely changed the voice of all the characters. You can't can't, just like change the accents completely. It's like, you can't do that. I think it's interesting when 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 you're reading someone else's book, I think it's a very, very difficult skill to do. I talked to my the guy who recorded my audio book coming out and said, you know, how much do people do people come in having read the whole thing with notes and all this sort of stuff? Because some people are amazing at it. And he said, yeah, some people do. And some people you just know they haven't even read through the book beforehand, which would be a massive, would be a massive thing to kind of go, I'm going to read I say great, great expectations, and just see see what voices I come. I don't know if this character is going to be a big character. Let's see. I've made a massive mistake. I read the audiobook to um, a Kingsley Amos book. I got right. the job of reading it. Oh wow! Yeah, and but I hadn't listened to enough audiobooks before, like how people did fiction, and I just I did read the book beforehand, but I just it's very <laughs> literary. And I just, they, they just cast me badly. I just, right. I just, I just, to be absolutely honest, I did a bad job of it. Like, and the reviews of it reflect that. People are like, the performance is really bad. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And I had, I got it into my head that you have to, well, this is somebody else, somebody's written this, and I should just sort of read it kind of neutrally, like to sort of, it's like transmit the book into people's heads right. like respect the text and not like put my own voice over the top of it yeah but of course you have you can't just 
read it in a monotone. <laughs> you, know, you have to like, <laughs> act it out. Oh, it was so, oh, like oh, it's I'm, honestly some people. It's it. I've I've because I've listened to loads now, and I prefer it if it's the author almost, even if they're not very good at uh, voices and stuff. Uh, but uh, I have to say, Martin Jarvis doing great expectations. He was absolutely there was a slightly questionable Jewish interpretation, but apart from that, um, absolutely solid, fantastic, just brilliant read of it because it was it just whisked you along with it. So, like, if you can get a, a good person to do your dead novelist or your shy novelist, um, I think it does make a read. But that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. What was the to- Jewish? Mistake, just a bit sort of. <laughs> it was just a bit too. It was just a, bit, a bit too, you know. Uh, but anyway, I think it's quite. I think it's just a bit too stereotypically Jewish. Uh, but he, I think it was also recorded sometime because I've had it for a long time. I've had it on my phone for for a few years, and I thought, oh, I'll actually give that a go. And then I'm absolutely really got into it. It's a. I mean, it's a brilliant. It's a. He's a, it, Charles Dickens is quite good. Quite, oh, no, he's good. Know, he's. I don't want to make this not about you anymore, but Charles Dickens is better than Martin Fishback. No, he'd get a series. Uh, <laughs> it is quite with um novels, audiobook novels, the, the mad thing is, even if they're a really serious novel, there's some there might be like a lot of different characters and you're asking one person to do them all. Yeah. So yeah. you'll have like some fifty something year old guy <laughs> playing like a really sexy woman. Yeah. <laughs> like not for a joke. Just doing a whole like like love scene <laughs> as this this sexy woman from the middle ages <laughs> it's fun and i think having done them it's fun because it's so hard doing an audio but i think you know like even doing a you know a book you've written yourself that's you <laughs> it's, it's such you're doing it and you're going you're sort of four hours in in the on the day and going Oh God! Have I just spent the last? Have I been doing the last hour properly, or have I just been? Have I just been kind of, you I know, have I put enough variety into it? So it's a very hard job. So to do it well is is uh, is very admirable. I had a lot of fun with this one because you know there's a few different characters. Yeah, and um, I really liked doing um, Patricia Beresford. Yes, in this book, who's like um, the, the idea of the character is she's a. Um, uh, a, a Radio Devon star. She's in like a long-running soap opera called Jam on Top, and but I based her. I like wrote it in her voice. Like was this, I worked at a call center like twenty years ago, and there was this woman <laughs> called Patricia something. Who was it? I'm calling on behalf of the Royal National Institute of the Blind. <laughs> it's just a lot of fun to do her voice. Ah, that is good. Yes, well, and it struck me in the book how much controversy there is about scones like there's two major divisions over scones yeah uh, which it should have been a clue when we came to brexit that it was going to be contentious because if we can find two things to argue about about a, a quite unpleasant cake then you know when unpleasant? the jam's on top i mean it's nice with the cream on but it's quite a dry unpleasant you know if you don't put cream and jam on it it's not that nice is it it's all right with the well, that's because it's not or some I mean, that's like saying a dry that's like saying a a dry slice of bread is not good on its own. It's, like, <laughs> it's made a, to have things applied to it. So here's an, dry, it's three controversies. There's another one. I'd say a dry piece of bread is better than a, a dry scone. Uh, but, you know, is it scone, scone, or is it jam on top? And, you know, and it's not been settled, and those arguments rage on, and it struck me how how a weird a country we are that those 
that we can get that worked up. And maybe if we just sorted out the scones issues first before Brexit, yeah, we could have had two votes about that, and then people would have been so sick about the, the you know the, the the media wars and the attacks in the street and stuff that would have happened as a result. We might have thought, well, let's not let's yeah. not try anything a bit bigger than this. You know, we don't know. Yeah, there's, that features in the first book as well, that I sort of overplay the tension between the two counties of Cornwall and Devon over scones or scones and yes. where the cream is applied and sort of have, you know, I mean, Roger the Carrot. His, his policy is never to eat a scone in public <laughs> because he doesn't want to be seen doing the wrong thing. It's like, I don't want another copper dying on my watch. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's amazing, but it did, yeah, it did, uh, it did, it did come across from the book. Uh, look, it's a fabulous book. It's called Murder at Crime Manor. Um, it's out uh, in October, uh, so do buy it. And I would, I think, even though I haven't heard the audio book, or I've only heard what you have heard in this podcast. Um, I would say the audio book might be the way to go for this one. How long's the audio book? How how long an audio book is it? Do you I know? think I just found out. I think it's six hours fifteen minutes. The first one Perfect. was. The first one was five hours 59, which I felt like was a failure. I was like, come on, one more minute. <laughs> but, um... I'll tell you what else I've listened to on audio, which I don't think I'm going to... I've tried to get the author on, uh, but I'll recommend it to our listeners. I'll just make sure I've got the, the title right. Um, is uh, I'd love to get... If you know Jeanette McCurdy... Uh, no. In, in, in many, in, no. No one in our country... This country well, people, some people in our country will, uh, but probably not many adults... Um, she is a child star who's been. Uh, she's at, coincidentally on um, a show that I was my daughter found called Salmon Cat, and then she was in another show before that called I Carly, which were huge on Nickelodeon. And my and I was watching. You watch a lot of shows with your kids, and you go, oh God, you know, some of them are very bad. And this one is sort of had the had the feeling of being bad, and the scripts looked like they were kind of quite typical Saved by the Bell kind of rubbish. Um, but there was something about the central performance. Ariana Grande's in uh, Salmon Cat as well. Uh, and the, the performances were, were better than the material, especially from Jeanette McCurdy. And then I didn't know anything about her. And at the same time, all these news stories started hitting about her having written this amazing autobiography, which is called I'm Glad My Mom Died. And it's about her. Um, that's about six hours long. Uh, and it's about her, uh, how she got into kids TV, but also her overbearing mother and it's quite sad and right uh, no i've seen that stuff. i've seen that that's a big hit yeah it's a big hit in america so i have uh contacted her via instagram but she hasn't responded because she's number Bitch. one in the new, she's in the new york bestsellers list so if you're american and you know Jeanette mccurdy tell her i'm not just some weird bloke from instagram i've got a proper podcast with fergus craig on it and like a proper author proper authors like and more famous uh, people respectable <laughs> famous respectable, like proper academics and stuff I've got on here. So if Jeanette McCurdy, I think she's, uh, f- f- it's a really good book. It's really well written uh, and it's really interesting and um, do buy that one as well. And you don't need to know anything about Sam and Cat and all that sort of stuff. There's a bit about that that in there, but it's, it's uh, it, it, the, the message is, Fergus, um, mm. if you have- children, Buy her book. <laughs> buy her book, <laughs> buy her book, and then buy her book, Fergus. The message of that book is, um, you know, don't live your life uh, your own dreams through your children or it'll uh, turn out quite badly uh, it's, it's, it is a book about abuse and all sorts of uh, um, unpleasant things but uh, mm. she stays very uh, upbeat throughout it all I would say uh, anyway don't buy that buy um, a murder at crime manor by it's, it says Fergus Craig on the front right it doesn't say yeah that was another sort of like big decision yeah but yeah we went for yeah. Fergus Craig 
Okay. We didn't want to have Roger LeCarrie, Fergus Craig, and Martin Fishback, <laughs> three names that people don't know. You should put, uh, the, you know, the LeCarrie thing could get you some sales from confused old could. people. So just get that on the front. Um, it's like there's another Jeff. There's two Jeffrey Archers, aren't there? There's, uh, the, the, there's a second Jeffrey Archer. That Is there? Spelt. Yeah. There's a Jeffrey Archer who spells it with the with a different really with the G rather. I think I'm right about that. I won't say. I better shut up in case I libel him saying I won't tell it's him. But there's two Jeffrey Archers, so right. people might get confused. Um, uh, there's there's two Charles Dickens over there. All right, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you very much to Chris Evans, not that one, for producing the show. Even though I I he was unable to speak to me because he, uh, he he messed up the technology and I couldn't hear him and he couldn't hear me. And then we realised. That didn't matter because we don't have to talk to each other. But he's a very good man, and thank you to him. And thank you to my guest, uh, Fergus Craig, by his book. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or richtang.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. Gofasterstripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>